0: Well, can I take just a personal moment and uh, say, Happy Mother's Day, Mom. I know you're listening. It's Tuesday, maybe Wednesday, and you're listening on the podcast right now, driving your car. Get your hand off the volume knob right now. You're going to wreck. Keep it at 10 and 2 like you used to tell me. Right? So Happy Mother's Day, Mom. Much love to you. Happy Mother's Day to my beautiful wife, Becky. She is just amazing, and I just can't uh, miss this opportunity to tell her how much I love her. And she's, she's great. And to all the moms... Happy Mother's Day to you. We honor you and just know that, uh, that God is using you in, in some just amazing ways. And we have all kinds of extraordinary women here in our church. And we're just so thankful. And uh, I, I honestly am honored to be your pastor, ladies. And so just really, really grateful for you. And I know, as Kevin already mentioned, that for, for many of the extraordinary women in our midst, uh, today can be a really difficult day. And some even choose not to come to church today because just of how, how, how difficult it is, and I don't know. I've just been keenly aware of that lately. Just how difficult Mother's Day can be for, for so many people, and I want you to know if that's you, we're praying with you, uh, we're, we're 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 alongside of you, and want to serve you in this difficult season of your life. You know, there's a a wide spectrum of motherhood, and I think it's important that we acknowledge that, that there really is a wide spectrum of of motherhood, and so I want to encourage all of us to be sensitive and to be aware of that. I was doing some reading this week, and I found uh, just an article that I I think really captures our sentiments well, and so if you don't mind, I'm just going to take a minute to read this from author Amy Young, And, and this really captures our heart this morning. It says, to those who gave birth this year to their first child, we celebrate with you, To those who lost a child this year, we mourn with you. To those who are in the trenches with little ones every day and wear the badge of food stains, we appreciate you. To those who experience loss through miscarriage, failed adoptions, we mourn with you. To those who walk the hard path of infertility, fraught with pokes and prods, tears and disappointment, we walk with you. And forgive us when we say foolish things, we don't mean to make this harder than it is. To those who are foster moms, mentor moms, And spiritual moms, we need you. To those who have warm and close relationships with your children, we celebrate with you. To those who have disappointment, heartache, and distance with your children, we sit with you. To those who lost their mothers this year, we grieve with you. To those who experience abuse at the hands of your own mother, we acknowledge your experience. To those who live through driving tests, medical tests, and the overall testing of motherhood, we are better for having you in our midst To those who have aborted children, we remember them and you on this day. To those who are single and long to be married and mothering your own children, we mourn that life has not yet turned out the way you've longed for it to be. To those who step-parent, we walk with you on these complex paths. To those who have envisioned lavishing love on grandchildren, yet that dream is not to be, we grieve with you. To those who will have emptier nests in this upcoming year, we grieve and rejoice with you. I like that one. And to those who are pregnant with new life, both expected and surprising, we anticipate with you. This Mother's Day, we walk with you. Mothering is not for the faint of heart, and we have real warriors in our midst. We honor all of you. That's good, huh? And that really is our heart for you, and I've just been thinking about that a lot this week and really wanted to approach this in a way that acknowledges the spectrum of mothering. And so if that applies to any of you, Ladies, we would love to uh, invite you after the, the gathering in the back on the table back there. There's just a little gift for you. And uh, again, Kevin said his hands are a little, little crampy. So that was his hazing for the... So uh, grab one of those and we'd be excited for you to uh, take one of those. We just, we really love you and uh, are praying with you in this time. So Luke chapter 1 is where we're going to be this morning. If you have a Bible, flip on over there, Luke chapter 1. And uh, if you have a device, you can scroll there. or We'll have it up on the screen. For You You may be thinking, we just spent a year and a half in the book of Luke. Are you serious? Yes, I am. We're going to Luke chapter 1 because I just can't stop thinking this week about the most famous mother of all time, Mary, the mother of Jesus. I don't know, moms, the verdict is still out if this is the easiest job in the world or the hardest job in the world to, to mother God. I don't know. Uh, Because he literally could do no wrong, right? And so she's never had to say, Jesus Christ, get off of your brother right now. I mean, that's 90% of parenting for my wife and I. is just prying boys off of each other. Um, And difficult because, again, you're you're, you're parenting God. And so you can't pull the things that we pull on our kids. Like, who do you think you are? Mom, I am. (laughs) You'll get that one on the way home. Just read the book of John. Seriously, Mary had a very, very difficult assignment, very difficult assignment. God, through the angel Gabriel, says you're going to have a baby despite your virginity. It's going to be a miracle of God. And so the questions, would you can imagine, would start flooding her mind. Will my fiancé... Joseph leave me will he believe me will my parents believe me will they bail on me will I be sent out to the, the center of the, the town to be stoned will I lose my reputation in this small town will there be any more friends in my life com- comrades in my life will there be anybody there to help me in this crazy difficult task of, uh, of parenting and then just more and more challenges as you read through the story of Mary just, just continue on in her life and, and in Luke chapter 1 God through the angel Gabriel. Gabriel. Gabriel tells her some things that I believe all mothers need to hear this morning. And it's just some realities that are for every single mom in the room that I believe will encourage you in this monumental task that you have of of mothering. And, And I know that this is a very specific passage to Mary and when we preach scriptures we want to be careful to say what it's actually saying and and I know her her situation is very, very unique compared to uh, the mothers in our midst. However, I believe that this applies to all of us who have massive challenges in front of us. Maybe you're right now immediately, you can identify the massive challenge that is in front of you. This applies to you if you, like Mary, submit yourself to the lordship of God and so these are not just for Mary these are for you these realities are realities that are also repeated through the scriptures so we know that they're they're for us because they're repeated time and time again through the scriptures for God's people who will trust in God in the midst of their challenges and so God here this morning through the angel Gabriel gives us five realities five realities for Mary moms and many more and here's the first reality if you're taking notes And that is, the Lord is with you. Hear that this morning. The Lord is with you. God is with you. Look with me at Luke chapter 1 verse 26. It says, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. Say it with me. The Lord is with you God is is with you so we've got Mary this young girl probably like a middle school aged girl betrothed essentially engaged to this man named Joseph and so she's out planning her wedding and surprise God brings an angel to her and in just a bit he's going to tell her about her miraculous pregnancy of the the Messiah but first God establishes a couple things What we have here, the first two of the five realities that he tells her, he he tells her before even telling her what he has in store. So these two realities are are good for all of us, even when we don't quite know the challenges. Some of you, all of us actually are going to have challenges in front of us that we don't even know what they, we can't even imagine what they're going to be yet. And these realities apply. You got to let them sink in before we even get there. And that is that the Lord is with you. He's with you. I know there are many mothers who feel alone. Maybe that resonates with you this morning. You feel alone. You feel by yourself. Single mothers, you're, you're alone. Maybe he left you and it's you and the, the kids. Maybe dad is around a little bit, but he's of very minimal help. He's, he's not around very frequently. I also know that there are mothers out there who are not single mothers. They are married and yet they feel all alone. Maybe you're surprised at that. The reality is that, that when you're a mom, the days are incredibly long and, and, and there's virtually no free time. And even the best case scenario with the best guys out there who want to help, we can kind of only do so much, right? We can give everything that we we have, but there are just some things that only mom can provide when push comes to, to shove, and what often happens is dad starts to feel like I'm trying. I'm, I, I, there's, a, there's like a, a cap here as to what I can offer, and I can even go give more around the house and help out as much as I can, and so what often happens is in the early years of, of childhood, the dad says, I don't know what to do, and so he presses more into his work and he stays at the office a little bit later maybe he even goes into the office a little bit more and and even if he's at home and and he's helping he sees mom running around the house and doing all kinds of things and 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 she's trying to keep her head above water as well and so he's doing the best he can but she looks occupied he feels oftentimes unneeded and so he does the best thing that he knows to do and that is to work and so it might be work at the workplace, it might be work at home, and just continue to do more and more and more. When he goes out and, and works, he gets the privilege of having adult conversations. Right, ladies? You know that that's a privilege to get adult conversation when you're a mother and he has those adult conversations while your conversations at home are very different. Say amen to that, right? They're, they're very different. Mommy, mom, 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 I need, mom, give me, mom, mom, mom mom and then I come home and I see my wife's eyes and she's just like take them let me run away (laughs) or just talk to me or something she one-sided conversation and and longing for adult conversation and motherhood can be very isolating 3 a.m in the morning and you're up with the child and you feel like you're the only one in this this situation it's just isolating and men she needs you she needs you to shut the laptop, to close the book, to turn off Sports Center, and to talk to her. Give it a try. She, she, she needs you. Single moms feel alone. Married moms feel alone. Empty nesters even can feel alone alone. Grandparents can feel alone when they thought their grandkids were going to be close by and they move across the country and they can feel alone. Many people feel alone. And listen, the reality that God tells Mary, this mother, through the angel Gabriel is that the Lord is with you. He's with you. And this isn't just a theological statement. God is with you. It's not just that kind of blessing that we hear about Couple times in the scriptures, may the Lord be with you. This is not just that. This is if you have submitted your life to the lordship of Jesus, He is with you, literally with you, beside you in this. Here's the message of the gospel: is that God made man for a relationship with Himself, and we sinned against God. We separated ourselves from God, essentially saying, "I don't need the One who gave me the breath of life." And so, because of that, death and separation from God. But God says, I am the only one who can make a way for them to be reunited to that relationship with me. And so what God does is he becomes a man, Jesus, and he lives the perfect life. We could never live in our shoes, in our place. And he dies a de- death that he didn't deserve, that we deserve on the cross, so that if we trust in his substitution for us, his death for us, we can be restored back to right relationship with God and if that's you and you've trusted placed faith in what Jesus has done for you God is now with you again you're you're reconnected with him and he repeats this truth over and over in the bible he says I will never leave you or forsake you I will never leave you or forsake you Deuteronomy 31 verse 6 Deuteronomy 31 verse 8, Joshua chapter 1 verse 5, Hebrews 13 verse 5. When God repeats something over and over and over and over again, it's him saying, I understand that you're going to have trouble believing this and hearing this, but I will never leave you or forsake you. Mothering is hard. Whatever you're experiencing is hard. But Psalm 23 says, I can walk through the valley of the shadow of death if I know that God is with me. You can go through it if you know that God is with me. So moms, when you're up in the middle of the night and you're with your child, know that the Lord is with you. When you just found out about a sickness or a disease that's out of your control, know that the Lord is with you. When, when dad is nowhere to be found or you know where he is, he's pressing into his work and he's not with you, know that the Lord is with you. When you face these challenges that you weren't expecting, you could have never had imagined, know that the Lord is with you and he will never leave you. He will never, never forsake you. Let me tell you this, that it doesn't always feel like it, but you got to know it. You got to know it even if you don't feel it. I'm telling you, I had a pregnant wife. I know how that goes. Emotions can be... Really, really tricky. When she was pregnant, when she was nursing, she would cry watching Family Feud. I'm like, what does Steve Harvey say? I have no idea. But it can be tricky, right? And you can't always trust how you feel, but you got to trust what you know. And know this, know this, lock it into your brain. The Lord will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Here's the next one. Number two is this. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be afraid. Look at verse 29. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. So if the Lord is with you, not just this nice greeting, may the Lord be with you, but if the Lord is literally with you because you've been connected to him, you don't have to be afraid because God is with you and you can know that even though you don't understand the plan, God understands the plan and he is with you. That great passage, Romans eight thirty one: if God is for us, then who can be against us? You don't have to be afraid because God is for you. He, he's for you. 366 times in the Bible we have the phrase fear not or do not be afraid. Moms, do not be afraid. Those who are facing challenges, do not be afraid. God is with you. But moms, I know you have a lot of things that you can be fearful of, huh? I know you do. And I'll never forget leaving the hospital with our first son, St. Vincent's in Worcester. And uh, we spent, I think it was three days in the hospital, and, and for me, it was like going to summer camp. It was kind of fun, but for my wife, it was a whole other story, and uh, sleeping on a cot and the whole deal, and I remember the day came, and they put her in a wheelchair, and we strapped up little Isaiah in the car seat, and I held him, and the nurse pushed her all the way to the front door, and they pushed her through the front door, and I think they locked the door behind it, like, get out of here, and I remember thinking, oh my gosh, we're going home. And I was kind of excited at first, and then the door locked or shut, and we're going home, and I don't have the ER down the hall in case I break my son, so this is, this is dangerous. And we loaded the baby up into the car, and I was driving in the right lane of 290, heading north at about 30 miles per hour, <laughs> just horrified. I'm, I mean, I'm screaming at drivers, how dare you go over 40? I mean, I was just so mad, and just trying to be as cautious as I can. It's, it's unnerving. And yet, he says, fear not. You've been to the mommy stores? It's like their whole marketing strategy is potential child death scenarios. And then here's how we can solve the, the, let's just instill a lot of fear in these mothers and then show them how we can answer that issue. You've got to have a, a healthy balance between responsibility and trusting in the Lord. And maybe even more pregnant or relevant than, than some of these pregnancy and, and birth scenarios, maybe moms, one of the things you fear is what other mothers think about you. I mean, the Bible also talks quite frequently about the fear of man versus the fear of God. And we have to fear the Lord and not fear man. In other words, have a healthy reverence for what God thinks about us and a healthy you know, lack of concern for what other people think about us, and, and God elevates you, and God determines your worth, not other people and what they say. I've, I've spent enough time around the playgrounds of Boston to hear and to see how mothers really care about what other mothers think, and the games that moms pray, play, and, and we talk about what programs we've enlisted our, our children in. And we feel like, well, I probably should get my kid in that program because Steph, the super mom, did. And I, sh- I probably should do that, too, where we talk about my child is two years old and reading Harry Potter and playing the violin. What's your child into these days? It's just unbelievable. You want to come to the recital and watch my amazing super child? And, and moms start to feel this pressure, and we have a fear. of, Well, what does she think about me? And Right? We have this fear of being compared to other people and and that family seems so perfect that person doesn't have to be a mom that person just seems to have their 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 life together they've got their child enrolled in all the right things and they got the the perfect schedule and they're they're eating the, the right foods or maybe you even come and you fear the, the, the church moms who maybe, I, I promise you they're not casting judgment on you, but you're, you're projecting them that, uh, that on them perhaps. And maybe they, they just seem to have their, their lives all together, and, and I definitely don't. What happens when my child finds out about the things that I did when I was a, a teenager? They're not going to listen to me anymore. I have no credibility anymore. Listen to me. Your credibility is the grace of God. Your credibility is never from beginning to finish and all eternity is never your performance. So, when your teen asks you, What were you up to when you were a teenager? or when that moment comes and they realize that mommy wasn't perfect, or they do the whole nine month, a year and a half subtraction deal and they go, Wait a second, what, 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 what? You weren't, what? You can say, God is gracious and I'm not perfect. And that's just Just as beneficial for your child to hear. We want this place to always be a grace space. Another fear is maybe fear in your child not succeeding. Anybody? I know that's a common one. Completely understandable. We want our kids to do well. We want them to succeed. And and we're at the age now where uh, my wife and I, where parents are starting to go nuts about getting their kids into Boston Latin. They just want their kids to get into Boston Latin. They want them to succeed and so I want my kid to get into this school and so come come third grade I've got to start getting them tutored and 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 studied up and ready to go so that come fifth grade they can they can take the the test and then the kid starts to realize why they're getting the 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 tutoring and so they realize that hey if I fail this test I have let mom and dad down and they can't be the cool parent anymore with the the BLS sticker on the back of their SUV or hybrid if you're eco-friendly they, they can't be the cool parent anymore they might even have to move out of the city into the suburbs and start uh planting and growing their own food and and no electricity or indoor plumbing it's going to be awful and it's all my fault that's a lot of pressure on an eight-year-old right i mean it's a lot of pressure on an eight year old. and yeah i'm kind of joking but i'm actually not really joking In fact, this season in the life of our church, our college students are more stressed out and anxious than I have ever seen them in my 10 years of ministry. It's unbelievable. Where does this come from? I would suggest largely from an unhealthy pressure from parents at a young age. Unhealthy pressure from parents parents at a young age because they're trying to live vicariously through their kids and I want my kids to succeed even where I didn't succeed. I want them to be the athlete or the student or this or the business person that I was not and man it's 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 bad. Because they think if my child struggles it's all my fault. It's because I didn't give them organic cereal like Steph the supermom did. I'm a bad parent. It's all my fault. My child is going to grow up and work for Steph's child someday probably the custodian at State Street, while Steph's child is going to be the CEO at State Street. And it's bogus. It's bogus. It leads to our our next reality that we need to let sink in, and that is this. They'll be great. Just hear that about your kids if you're a parent. They'll be great. They'll be great. They're going to be all right. Read with me verse 32 because I think this one needs some clarification. Verse 32, he will be great and will be called Son of the Most High. And the Lord will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. So, God says to Mary, this child will be great. Jesus, he's going to be great. He's going to be the Son of God. He's going to sit on the throne of David. His kingdom will have no end. That's the greatness of Jesus forever and ever and ever and he will be great. Now, that kind of greatness doesn't apply to your child. No, nobody's saying, don't leave and say, my child's going to be the Messiah. But what we are saying is that, like God says to Mary, I've got a plan for your child. He's saying to you, with every single child that is born, you've got to trust me that I've got a plan. I make no mistakes. No child is conceived or born by a mistake Or no child is conceived or born that has some defect genetically that was, oops, I messed up. No. God blesses us with the children who have handicaps and ailments. God blesses us with every single child. Scriptures say that children are a blessing from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. And God has a plan for every single child conceived and or born. He's got a plan. He's got a perfect plan. And if you can trust God's plan, let me tell you something. You will be a better parent. But you've got to trust God's plan for your child. It's going to free you up to be a better parent. If you trust God's plan for your child, it will free you up from applying so much pressure that that when they have the option to talk to somebody else other than you, they will if you apply too much pressure. Trusting in God's plan will free you up from applying so much pressure that when they have the option to have dinner with another parent, another family, another person. They will if you apply too much pressure. Trusting in God's plan will free you up from applying so much pressure that when they have the option to find love from somebody else other than mom or dad, they will if you apply too much pressure. We oftentimes apply too much pressure pressure, and they tend to rebel. I don't tend to think that, that my kids and the, the generation below us are going to be ha- all going out and getting inked up and tattoos all over their body. Why? Because it's so socially acceptable right now. I mean, how many kids say, I want to be just like my parents. They have tattoos. I want tattoos, right? The people with tattoos, it was oftentimes because there's a lot of pressure on them. I'm not saying tattoos are wrong at, by any stretch, but if mom says, don't get a tattoo, I'm turning 18, I'm getting a tattoo, right? I don't think Kids are going to be doing a whole lot of that. Too crazy overboard. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. We pressure them, pressure them, pressure them. And then they want to do the exact opposite. We have to be cautious not to apply too much force. I didn't say don't apply any force. We have to lead them and care for them and and help them to to learn the word of God and and obey the Lord and, and, and hold them to that. But not too forcefully. I'll say it this way. Don't force your wishes. Have faith in God's plan. So often we force our wishes without having faith that God has a plan for them. Now, obviously, when they're younger, we're, we're going to force some things on them. We're going to have control over them. We're going we're gonna to protect them. I'm not going to let them run wild in, in the road because my youngest child right now certainly would run wild in the road and would be hit. But as they get older, we kind of have to transition parents from controller to counselor. See the difference? We transition from controller where I'm going to make sure and I'm going to, I'm going to counsel them. I'm going to encourage them. I'm going to tell them what they they probably should do and and what I believe the Scriptures say and how they should live their lives and encourage them and give them the freedom to go make decisions and make mistakes and trust that even when they make mistakes, God's still in control. God has a plan. i got to trust that God's plan for my kids is better than my plan for my kids. God had a plan for Jesus. He's telling Mary, I got, a, I got a plan. It's going to be great. And God's telling you, I got a plan. I got a plan. Your kids are going to be all right. Trust in my plan. Parent well, pray like crazy, and trust in God's plan. And that reality is freeing for you as a parent. You've got to believe God's plan is better than your plan for your children. have got to believe it. They'll be great. Here's the next one we get from the scriptures. That is, nothing is impossible with God. Nothing's impossible with God. So God tells Mary his crazy plan. And now listen to her response, verse 34. Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age also conceived a son. This is the sixth month with her, who's called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. So Mary asked Gabriel for some clarification. That's okay to do from time to time. You don't question God's plan, but say, God, could you clarify? Help me understand a little bit of me. How is this possible? She's not saying, no, not possible. She's saying, how is this possible? Because I'm a virgin. I went to science class in seventh grade. I get it, but that's not, not going to work. And God says, it's going to be a a great miracle. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and you will be pregnant with this child. He says, let me just tell you, I've given you some confirmation that I'm moving. I really am moving. Your cousin Elizabeth, in her old age, is pregnant by a miracle of God. Nothing, nothing, nothing is impossible with, with God. Let me tell you guys that there... I'm telling you, there are are seasons that you're going to go through where it just does not make sense. There's going to be seasons in your life where it just does What could God possibly be doing here? How could God possibly be bringing good out of this? It just doesn't make sense. And yet somehow he does, time and time again, bring good out of very, very difficult Situations, And I could look at story after story after story in our church family and just see how God has brought us through some things. Individual people, families of people, and say, wow, God, I remember crying with them. I remember going to the hospital with them. I remember going to that funeral (laughs) and thinking, how could this possibly be a good thing? And yet somehow God brings good out of it. It's not impossible for God to bring good out of difficult. Situation, no roadblock in your life is too thick for God to remove it if He wants to remove it, so whether it 's that child of yours that 's rebellious or that broken relationship that you have or your infer- infertility or or, or maybe it 's you, you want to be married you don 't have a husband or a wife yet, and so you don 't have kids yet, know that nothing is impossible with God. It's not a promise that you will get pregnant. It's not a promise that 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 person's coming soon. It's not a promise of that, but it is, listen, trust God. Whatever he has for you, whatever he has for you is a good and perfect plan. I'm just praying that we leave here today encouraged. Encouraged. God, I'm trusting you that if you want to remove this seeming barrier in front of me, you'll, you'll take care of it. Can you imagine even for Mary getting this news? She still had to wait. And she didn't go take the, you know, the, the stick from the pharmacy and find. No. She, she had to wait. And then suddenly, okay, I'm getting sick. Okay, there's a baby bump. There, there's waiting. And then she has the baby. And for the, the first night, it's amazing. It's incredible. But then just speed bump after speed bump after speed bump, challenge after challenge after challenge. They're moving. They're getting hunted down. They're in Egypt. And it's insane what she goes through. And then it's like, what? What's happening? He's a kid. He's a kid. And 30 years later, 30 years of waiting before he starts his earthly ministry. Let me ask you, are you willing to parent and pray and trust God that long? The roadblock, the challenge that you're in front of, it's in front of you, or are you willing to, to, to pray and trust God that long? The spouse that you want to see them come to know Jesus and they're not there, are you willing To wait that long? The child who's rebellious. Are you willing that long to pray and trust God? The illness. Are you willing to wait that long? Nothing's impossible with God. You keep on. You keep praying. You keep pressing forward and trusting the Lord. Which leads to our last reality. And that is that you are a servant of the Lord. Look at verse 38. She responds so well. Verse 38, Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. You're a servant of the Lord. That's what she says. That's what we must say. It's a reality that we must embrace. If we have been reunited with God through Jesus, we've got to embrace the reality. My life is for the Lord's service. First of all, for, for the moms, I know in our culture, very few people value what you do. Real women, independent women are going to step up and go to the workforce and conquer things. Mothering, eh, not so great. I mean, who sees what you're doing behind the walls of your house? God sees. God sees. And ultimately, you are serving him. You are serving God. The Lord, when you're parenting your child or your children, when you're doing the things that are gritty and grimy and not glamorous at all, know that God is being served by what you are doing. My wife and I have this this ongoing joke, and and uh, so it's funny because I, <laughs> I probably shouldn't say this. I, I tell her I'm attracted to her when she's when she's she's cleaning up around the house and doing things, and 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 she's looking all grimy, and she goes what? You think I'm attractive when I look like Cinderella? I'm like, I don't know. It's just something about it. It's, it's, I don't know. I just, it's, it's not that you're working. That's, it's just the heart that it it brings. It's beautiful. I just love, I love that she's so selfless and she serves so faithfully. And I'll just say, you look so beautiful. She goes, are you kidding me right now? I don't have any makeup on. I have my scrubby clothes. I'm like, you just look so beautiful right now. You're so beautiful. And it's not that you're mopping. It's that you're, your heart shines when you're serving. I'm telling you, moms, God says, listen, it's, it's beautiful. Your heart to, to serve another person. The world doesn't value that because it's not being seen it's not being televised it's not your your boss isn't making notes for your performance review but God is saying I see your service and ultimately your service is not for your child it flows through them and flows as an act of worship back to me I I see that if you ever feel underappreciated know that God sees it God receives it as an act of worship. Every diaper change, every meal prepared, every mess cleaned up, every playroom straightened up, every bed made, every load of laundry, every bedtime story, God's heart is moved. And he says, that is greatness. The same God who got on his knees and washed the feet of these nasty disciples spiritually and physically is saying, you're you're taking on that kind of work. And that is greatness in my kingdom. I've said it time and time again. That's greatness in my kingdom. You're a servant of the Lord ultimately, not just your children. And throughout the scriptures, he will say, I oppose the proud, but I give grace to the humble. If you exalt yourself, I will humble you. But if you humble yourself, I will exalt you in the proper time. And let me just say, right now I believe is is one of those proper times where we just want to say, moms, those who are humble and, and serve in so many capacities, we acknowledge you and we want to honor you. We, we love what you do, that you're a servant of the Lord and what you do. And for all of us in this room, let me, let me ask you, is will you make your life about serving the Lord? Will you become a humble servant of the Lord where you're saying, God, I want to live for you I want to do things that are not so glamorous in this world. I, I want to serve you. If you can latch onto that reality that God sees, God is moved, his heart is stirred when you serve, then it's going to make those, those tasks that seem so, so menial and, and unimportant and mundane and frustrating at times. They're, they're going to be validated because God is served in those moments. Beautiful realities that we get from God through Gabriel, to Mary, and hopefully to us as well today. And I pray that you would latch onto these and you would be deeply encouraged by these realities and sent out to live in these truths. Can I pray for us? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the realities that we, we hear in this passage. God, we long to be your kind of people. We long to be a people who submit our lives to you So that we can know that you're with us. So that we can know that we don't have to be afraid of the challenges that are in front of us, of what other people think, of failing. So that we can know that you've got a plan for our lives, for our children's lives, for our family members' lives. So that we can know that no task, nothing is too great for you. Nothing is impossible with you. So that we can live as servants of the great God and king of the universe. And God, I know that there are people in this room this morning who have never given their lives to Christ, who have never submitted to Jesus and his work and placed faith in what he has done so that they could be reconnected to you. And Father, I pray that you would stir up their hearts and plant in their heart faith. They would see the greatness of God, that you would descend In the form of a a humble baby, and live in our shoes the life that we could never live, died the death that we deserved in our place. And if that's you, and and you want to give your life to Christ, the Bible says that that you call upon the name of the Lord, and you're saved. You're made right with God. That is, you turn to Him and say, "I, "I recognize, I need You because of my sin against You. I recognize Your greatness." and what you've done for me, and I trust in that. And it's that heart of trust and faith in Jesus, turning from sin, turning to him, that he wants. If that's you as we sing, as we respond to the word of God, and call upon his name. Others of you, you just need to be reminded of these great truths. I'm praying that they're encouragement to your soul. God's working something deep within you. He loves you. He's with you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. Nothing's impossible with him. Trust him. God, be honored as we respond. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.